Nick Dar here getting ready to shoot uh, another episode of Business Over Brew, which wouldn't be possible if not for our great sponsors at Roberts Motors. Uh, you know the Roberts Motors name. They've been around since 1949. Uh, definitely a name that means quality. We certainly appreciate their support of not only this show, but all they do for the community. You talk about a local business that gets it in terms of supporting great community causes and just being involved in the community. The guys at Roberts Motors, Sam, John, the rest of the crew there, they really understand what it means to be a good business citizen in the community. And they've done that for a lot of years. Uh, if you're in the market for a vehicle, you, you know, the, the car industry has been a little upside down lately in terms of inventory. Uh, they're starting to get more and more vehicles on the lot. Uh, starting to see some new Broncos out there. So go check that out. A little more pre-owned inventory as well. They're certainly always in the market to uh, give you a great deal if you're looking to sell your vehicle as well. Now's a great time to do that. And maybe something we don't talk about enough is just a, a really great uh, top-notch service center at Roberts Motors. Uh, if you need work done to your car, you need tires, oil change, any kind of service work, uh, Roberts Motors is really a terrific place to consider um, and they would just appreciate the opportunity to do business with you, whether it's buying a vehicle, uh, buying your vehicle from you, or getting some work done to your vehicle. Check out Roberts Motors uh, on Albee Street in Alton or at robertsmotors.com. Welcome to Business Over Brew, the show where we talk business with some of the Riverbend's most interesting and influential business leaders and uh, bring the bring you this show from the Great Rivers Tap and Grill inside the Best Western Premier Hotel in Alton. Terrific kind of hidden gem restaurant here in town. Great menu, terrific food, great atmosphere. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I highly encourage you to come do so. You, you definitely will not be disappointed. Uh, pleased to be joined on this particular episode by State Farm Agent Chris Irwin. Chris, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Nick. You're, you're part of an exclusive club now. You are the third person who has been on the show twice. So we don't have a lot of repeat visitors, but we were just talking before we came on. It's been five years since we've had you on, and a lot's changed in your business since then. But start with, let's just give us a quick bio for those that don't know. Uh, where'd you grow up? Sure. How'd you get to be at, at State Farm? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. I, I really appreciate having me on, and I'm not in too many exclusive groups, so it's nice to be a part of something. I do what I can. <laughs> uh, born and raised here in, in the Riverbend, uh, born and raised in Godfrey, Illinois. Um, went through uh, high school and college in the area. Um, went to Marquette and then went over uh, to SIU. A uh, little stint, small stint at the University of Evansville. Um, and then came back here and, and played baseball at, at Southern Illinois University. Um, after school, um, went to Western Illinois to get my master's degree and coached some baseball there. Uh, moved to Texas to coach baseball there in Texas and Ohio, and then kind of things went uh, crazy as far as all over the country. Moved back to the area, been back uh, quite a while now. Um, it's, gosh, 15 years, I guess I've been back. Um, started with State Farm eight years ago, uh, opened my office seven years ago, and uh, wow, it's five years ago since the last time we sat down to do this. That seems like it went by in a, in a, in a heartbeat. You kind of glossed over a, a pretty important career choice for you because uh, not to you like to toot your own horn much, but you were drafted by the Texas Rangers and spent a year yep. in their minor league system. Um, tell us a little bit about the decision to um, – and it was a good year in their system too. Yep. So talk a little bit about that decision to stop pursuing that and go a different direction. Yeah, that's a uh, – thanks for that. Uh, played uh, – was drafted at SIU. It was my last year, senior year. Uh Played a year with the Texas Rangers um, in their in Florida. Florida was at the time was where their spring training site was. So it was Port Charlotte, Florida. Uh, had a really good year down there. 
it was back in the day. I mean, it's, I'm an old guy now, right? So it's it's uh, back in the day before cell phones and and you know Instagram and everything else is you know I got a hold of everybody by right. a landline. Uh, came back here in this area. Uh, really didn't know they wanted me back. It was kind of hard. I wasn't a highly draftable guy. There was a lot of guys in that field that were very, very, very talented, um, very high draft picks, signed for a lot of money. <clears throat> um, but I was a hard. I was always a hardworking guy. You know, I was a hardworking kid back then. Um, first guy there, last guy to leave, that type of stuff. I probably could have played for a long time, just for that reason. I was working with the as a catcher. I was working with the pitchers. A lot of them were. Um, you know, not quite bilingual yet. So they were Spanish speaking, Latin American kids mm-hmm. that uh, really good arms, good talent, but had trouble, you know, being able to speak English at the time. So probably could have spent a lot of time helping the development of those kids because I took time to then take Spanish myself and try to learn how to, uh, how to call pitches. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at, at the end of the day, um, the, I had, Went to West Illinois. They offered me the head baseball job at the high school there. Uh, committed to a bunch of kids that I was going to be their high school coach. And then the Rangers called and said, hey, we'd like you back. And I'd already committed to, to helping these kids out. And I probably could have spent a lot of time doing nothing in minor league baseball and getting cut somewhere <laughs> randomly down the road in some obscure place. And, um, you know, I wasn't ever going to be a professional baseball player. I wasn't good enough for that. Um you know, at the big league level. So I had a lot of fun, worked my butt off, and I wouldn't have traded for anything in the world. I've always thought that was just a really uh, mature decision on your part, though, (laughs) for a 21, 22-year-old kid to, um, you know, have the the foresight to say, this is probably not what I'm going to do in life. And it's better now to to move on and 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 very respectable and commendable of you to honor that commitment to the high school that you had committed to. Well, I, it's um, thank you. Uh, I, I wanted to do that for the for the high school kids and I would have played baseball as long as I could. I, I was a very passionate about the game. I love the game. I still love the game today. Um, it, it's a beautiful game and, and I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, but when you're down there in minor league ball and you're with you're at the spring training site and you're seeing the pro guys come in to do workouts, so usually they were on rehab. Somebody got hurt, they went to the spring training site for rehab and then went out. You could see a difference in the level of ball between even the minor league guys and the major league guys. And with those guys shuffling in and out, and for those old guys out there, Pudge Rodriguez was the major league catcher at the time, arguably the best catcher. And not, time, yeah. yeah, of all time, and or at least up there in the top five, right? right? Um, so nobody was going anywhere in the Ranger organization from a catching standpoint. Um, even if he wasn't there, I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> but no, I just, you know, understanding that your talent and and the difference. Carlos Pena was our number one pick that year, spent a career in the big leagues, you know, right. 18, 20 year career in the big leagues. And just watching him play was a work of art. I mean, just how he hit the ball. How hard he hit the ball, how ball, how quickly the ball jumped off his bat. Um, you knew. I mean, you you really you may not wanted to know, mm-hmm. but you knew the difference between the major league guy and a minor league guy. Right. Just I'm curious a little bit about him because seeing that that that's probably something that most of us actually haven't seen as a <laughs> up close and personal somebody hit a baseball that's a major leaguer. Sure. Um, we've seen it from a distance, seen sure. it on TV, but talk a little bit about just what that difference is for a guy <laughs> like Carlos Pena versus your yeah. average guy. So it, it's uh, an easy one for me because I remember the second day we're in camp and we're we're hitting and I was in his hitting group. 
So we're in the, you know, the turtle. Thanks a lot the for putting right? his group. And I'm hitting behind him, right? <laughs> right so yeah. he's hitting first and then I'm hitting behind him. And and so I'm watching this guy and I'm in, in awe like I'm a fan, right? right? So I'm watching this guy hit. And then you've heard of him before. He's coming down to camp and and he was there a couple of weeks after us because of negotiations. So he comes down to camp and, and now I'm stuck behind him in the hitting group on the field, live, you know, we're going. So when a coach says to you, okay, we're going to hit five the other way and then we're going to go five up the middle and then we're going to pull five. Okay, we got 10 swings in here, or right. maybe three, three, and three, whatever it was. So I'm watching him, and he's not hitting the ball the other way. He's hitting it out the other way. Right? <laughs> You're like, I'm going to hit some singles down the line, you know, maybe double down the right field right. line. You know, and, hey, we're just slapping the, the ball yeah, around. We're right. doing, no, no. He's hitting the ball over the fence the <laughs> other way right. all five times. Wow. And then he's hitting the ball over the center field fence all five times. And then he's pulling the ball, and when he pulls the ball, those balls are moon balls mm-hmm. over the fence. So he's hit right. 15 straight balls. <laughs> and, and I looked at the coach was Daryl Kennedy at the time. I looked and I was like, how am I supposed to follow that? Like, yeah, what, right. Can I bunt 15 times, right. please? <laughs> so it's just it's a different sound. It's a different speed of the bat. It's just a different approach. And what he can do or what he could do at the time was so much more special than – many of the guys down there. So you make that decision, you, you get your master's, you're coaching high school baseball. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about where your career goes from there. Sure. So uh, coach for two years, uh, got my master's degree. Um, wasn't really, uh, got my uh, master's degree in sport management, really wanted to coach college baseball. At that point in my career, wanted to be a college coach, uh, figure out how to get there. And I kind of got tired of, of the cold weather in the north. <laughs> Sure. So I want to move south. And I, I, I remember this distinctly. I put everything in a U-Haul. Well, actually, first I, I spent about four or five months in St. Louis uh, with a sport marketing company um, uh, that Doug Vilhart had started uh, in downtown that, yeah. St. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting circle right. here. Um, Doug Vilhart had started the company, um, worked for him for about six, eight months. Um, and then, uh, the company, uh, didn't, we didn't make it sold. And, and a lot of the folks were, so I moved to Texas. Um, I wanted to get to Texas and, and move there for kind of get back to that dream of co- coaching college baseball. Um, so from there, I spent about seven years in, in college coaching, kind of bouncing around. Um, and that's really have to, how you have to do it in college baseball. Right. So I was in, in Texas for a while in New Hampshire and New Jersey, in Indiana and Ohio. And then, uh, my dad got very sick, uh, very, very close with my father. Um, he got very sick and, and that's when I got out and, and, uh, moved back home to this area to be with him. He was uh, terminal with cancer. And so I wanted to be back here for him and spend as much quality time as I could. Um, luckily had a good quality time with him. Uh, got into the steel industry after that. Um, so when I moved back home, I worked for a steel distributor out of St. Louis, um, and then worked for uh, a horticultural company out of St. Louis. Uh, I'm not a metallurgist and I'm not a horticulturalist. And then from the horticultural company, moved to State Farm. And I always say through all of that is that even though I'm not a metallurgist or a horticulturist, it was never about the product. It was mm-hmm. always about the people. Right. And it's still, still today. It's it's about the people. It's about helping you know bridge the gap between what you know and what they know and what they need and what you can provide them. And so that's always what I've kind of really thrived on helping and, and being in an industry that would support that kind of thought process. And I've been very fortunate in my career that I found companies that have supported that thought process and, and what I have to offer to the, the company. I, I want to definitely talk about, you know, what you offer for clients and, and what your, what your office is all about. But sure. one, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, you know, I, I hope that 
people out there watching will get some business advice from this that, that, <laughs> that they can use and, and help them uh, build their business sure. better. And you've really had uh, a great rise over the last <laughs> five years. I know some of the reasons why, but uh, uh, just tell us what, what what are some things you really attribute that that success to? Because it's been a really good run for you over it, the last it, five years. It really has. I really appreciate that. Uh, we've done very well. We started uh, the office in East Alton. Um, I've been there ever since we, we opened up the doors. Um, and really for us, it, it was trying to, to really be community-based. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people say that and, um, you know, and for us, it's, it's not just about saying it's about living it. It's about understanding that we are a part of the community and, and it's important for us to, to do everything we can in the community. Um, sometimes that's knowledge to customers about products that we offer. Sometimes it's about having a scholar athlete. Uh, sometimes it's about, you know, helping support a local fire department, school and whatever that may be. And so for, for me, um, we've been very successful at finding other people, employees, I mean, now employees in my office that have that same passion and have that same drive. And when you get a group of people together that have the same philosophy, sky's the limit on what you can do for the community or for your client base or, or really for my team. And so I'm just as invested in helping my team become the best they can be as I am helping the customers understand and and provide them with the service that they need the most. So I think that has helped tremendously in building something very special. And I do. I think our office has something very special to offer. Um, I think we're different. That's definitely a big a big part of it. We'll talk more about the Scholar Athlete Award um, that that you and I have, are big Z and, and you've partnered on over the years. Sure. But I, th- I think another thing that's really you'd have to attribute your success to is you the discipline that you have and, and the systems that you have in place yep. in your office. Talk about those. Sure. So uh, it goes back a long way. It, 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 I attributed a lot of it to um, kind of a baseball mind, to be honest with you. Um, you know, when I was uh, coaching baseball and, and now even today when I coach baseball, it, it, a lot of it has to, it's a numbers game and it's about understanding the numbers and the metrics and, and how everything works. And then creating a very disciplined plan around how those numbers are feeding to you. And so I teach my team a lot about understanding the numbers, the trends, mm-hmm. what we're looking at so we can be more predictive of what we're doing. And you're right. I'm a very regimented scheduled guy, um, very disciplined to that schedule and trying to help our team understand how the schedule can create success. And so I'm a spreadsheet guy. Uh, I, you know, spreadsheet a lot of things, but I can utilize those spreadsheets to understand what's going on in the market, what's going on with, with how our team is doing, how can I help them become successful? Most people use, I think a lot of people use statistics sometimes in the wrong way. It's how can I find something wrong with somebody to tell them how to, you know, what they're doing wrong Mm -hmm. and quite the opposite in business for me, I've always tried to find, you know, the things that are successful and highlight those successes and then be able to help educate team members, you know, how they can become more successful by staying on that path and being disciplined in that path. There's obviously a lot of competition out there in the insurance world. I think one of the things people don't think about is, you know, it's easy to just look at what your premiums are mm-hmm. and, and make the decision based off that. But recently we had some some pretty bad storms here in, sure. the, in, the, or, in the area, tornadoes, um, tragic event, really. Uh, talk a little bit about how State Farm, and in particular your office, differentiates itself in situations like that. Yeah. So 
the thing that we do is different uh, differently. I, I think we do it differently. Um, we're we're very active with our book of business. Um, you know, there's a lot of people right. that would say, "Hey, if you have a problem, call claims," right? And they they give them a number, and and the claims group will help them. And and sometimes that works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, for us, we're very active with all the claims. We're very active with our people when they need us. We want them to call us and let us know what happened. And then we're going to help them and guide them on filing the claim instead of just giving a number and saying, call this this number and, mm-hmm. and call this department. Because that's when they need you the most. You know, right. when it's they, they need you to start the policy, to help educate them on the policy. But when they need you the most is when something goes wrong. And so that's when I need to be there the most. So I tell my group all the time, it's funny. You know, when it's sunny and nice and nothing's going on, that's the time to take off, <laughs> to take a vacation. Right. But when the weather's bad or things aren't good or, or predictive weather's coming in, that's when we need to be there because we know something potentially could happen and we want to make sure we're there for our customers. Um, State Farm as a whole, I think, does a great job. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud to be a partner with, with State Farm and, and how we handle those, those situations. Uh, so very simply put, a lot of people have my cell phone number. You know, I'm, I give out my cell phone number, and if it's on a Sunday and something happened, I want them to call me because I want them to know that I may not be there with them, but I want to make sure that I'm there to help them navigate what we can do. Can it wait till Monday until we get in the office, or is it something we need to take care right. of immediately? I, and old too, that preparation for when things do go wrong starts with when you buy the policy. Yes. So talk a little bit about that process and. Uh, how, you know, it's, you can, there's do it yourself. Sure. You can go buy it yourself, oh, yeah. but, um, talk about what, what you bring to the table in terms of making sure people have the right policies and coverages for their houses sure. and autos. And- so from a, when, when people are looking at a, at a policy or looking to cover their, their assets, right. Their home, their cars, whatever that their life, mm-hmm. right. Whatever that asset may be that they're looking at covering. Um, it's not always about the price. Now, fortunately we have very competitive prices, right? And so that makes it easier when we have very competitive prices for what we're trying to offer. But even then, I always say, it's it's not about the price. It's about who's going to be there when you need them the most and about understanding what the policy is. Because there's options all throughout a policy. And throughout that process, if you pick the wrong option or you let somebody pick it for you and, and X or Y happen, and that policy excludes X or Y, there's no coverage. So... As some people may say, insurance is boring and they don't like it. I get it. But it also protects your largest assets. And when it relates to life insurance, the most important asset, which is you. Right. right? So those are extremely important when it comes down to how we're doing. I find it interesting. There's so many more people that have insurance on their cell phones than they do on themselves. (laughs) And it seems to me that that's a funny thing. A little little backwards, maybe. Right? Because that $500, $1,000 phone is, I get it, it's your life, it's important, I understand, but it's not your life. Right. That if you're not here, something can go majorly wrong. Sure. So those are things that we sit down in our office for those that want to, and we go through it. Each year from our office, every client is going to get a phone call and they're going to say, you know, I'm, we're going to say, would you like for you to come in and review your policies? Make sure nothing has changed. Make sure nothing has happened that we don't know about. And we'd like to walk through those things with you. Um, a lot of people take us up on it. There's a lot of people that don't. Mm-hmm. Our job is to let them know we're here. Right. And hopefully they'll come in at some point in time and make sure we review. Because there are times when we've called several times, we've talked to people on the phone. 
something's changed, but they don't tell us and we didn't know about it. And so it's a little unfortunate when some some of those things happen. Sure. We talked a, a little about baseball at the, yeah. at the beginning. Um, you know, one of the things obviously that's happened in the last five years um, is you finished second as, <laughs> as head baseball coach at Father McGivney last yeah. year in the state baseball tournament. So talk about that experience and, uh, and how just really what a magical run it was. It, it, it Magical run is a perfect, perfect way to put it. It was um, we had such and we do. We have such great kids, such great administration over there. Um, and the kids really bought into the system that we were trying to put in and we were trying to run. Um, they worked their tails off at getting better. Um, we had the COVID year first. So mm-hmm. last year was the first year that we actually got to play, right. at, you know, for as me as the head coach. Um, but we had time to kind of install some things that we wanted to do, um, that we wanted to help. And as, as great as the run is, I always say this uh, uh, about my wins and losses, right? So I really measure my wins and losses on how many guys wanted to play in ball in college that I could get on to play ball in college. Right. That's really my wins and losses because it's a bigger game than winning a state tournament. Uh, now, with that said, that straight ter- state tournament was pretty darn cool. Sure. Um, we knew early that Everybody we had says a, the important thing is to have fun, but it's more fun when you're winning. It's more fun when you win. Yeah. <laughs> and we won a lot. Yeah. So it it uh, it was fun to to set a path for those guys and, and to watch them achieve something that became more important as the season went on. I, I knew early we had a good team, right? Uh, just the amount of work they put in and, and adjustments they were making in game and, and understanding what we we're trying to do from a philosophical standpoint and scoring runs and, and what our backbone of what we wanted to create at, at McGivney. Um, so the kids just kept executing and they saw how much more successful they were becoming by executing what we were trying to accomplish. And then we got into the run and, and last year was so crazy because, you know, sometimes we we're playing five, six days a week. So you you don't have a lot of time for practice. Right. So, so you're talking a lot more than you are um, practicing in some cases. And, um, but yeah, we, we, we made it. I knew that if we could get a, a long, you know, to a couple games that we had a chance um, and I knew that if we got to the state tournament with only, it was a little weird last year. So you played a double header instead of usually you play Friday as right. a semifinal Saturday is the championship game. So Friday night we pitched Jackson Rogers, which is our number one pitcher, mm-hmm. um, had a great year, you know, it was just, uh, didn't lose all year long right. and, and very difficult to be. And he was only a sophomore last year. So we knew we had a chance to get to the state tur- the state championship game, you know, with him on the mound, and and we won five to one um, in that game. Got to the state championship game. Um, uh, we had another sophomore pitch in the state championship game, and so we we knew that we had a good chance. It was a great game. They, they either team could have won. Right. It was a lot of fun. Um, the boys were disappointed. That was the hard part. Is you know when you don't really win second, <laughs> no, <laughs> you, right, you lose yeah. second. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the hardest part for them is is going through that. But you know, I told them it was a great year, a great run, and we got great coaches over there, and again, great administration, great AD. So very supportive of what we're trying to do. Well, maybe to connect the dots a little bit, we, we mentioned Doug Vilhart a little bit, yeah. earlier, <laughs> who you know started a company that you were at for a little yeah. while, while. Then he went on to be run another very successful company. And then you guys kind of were able to reconnect a little bit through McGivney. Yeah, we did. Um, So he's a a big, uh, you know, has a lot to do with McGivney and and the the start of of McGivney as a school and and the foundation and Mm -hmm. and sits on the board and the board of directors. um, At the time, I I guess it wasn't really, when I first got hired on, I had forgotten a little bit of that. I didn't really forget, but it was when I was talking with uh, Jeff Oliver, the AD and Joe Lombardi, the principal. And, 
um, you know, I knew uh, Doug Vilhart. So it was, it was kind of a neat circle to watch what he was creating here at McGivney. Um, that is, is fantastic. Um, and then we built a field. We've been working pretty hard. We, you know, I first got hired on as a cornfield and now we got, <laughs> right. you know, one of the best baseball fields around. Um, it's, it's really nice. Well, it, it sports and business have been obviously key factors in your <laughs> life. Um, and I know something you and I are both, both very proud of is the, uh, State Farm Insurance Agent Chris Irwin, uh, Big Z Scholar Athlete of the Month Award, and man, it's it's it's. We were talking about how years fly by. We've, <laughs> this is not year five of yeah. it. We've given out almost uh, ten thousand yeah. dollars in scholarship money, and uh, it's just been a great partnership and really a a great award. And we've had so much fun meeting with <laughs> with uh, great student athletes. Sure, it's uh, we we say this all the time when we when we're meeting with these kids and we're going through conversations. We have some of the best people in our community. And those people are going to be our future leaders in this right. community. And I'm so proud to get to know these kids and understand the values that they bring and the integrity they bring to the table at these schools and in all five local high schools. And it's, it's always amazing to me when I hear them talk about team and they talk about we and not me. And there's just a common theme with these kids that they get it right. and they understand it. And it makes me proud as a business owner in our community that one day we'll be handing over the community essentially to these young, fine people in our own community. That's well said. It's a great award. Thank, thanks for all you do for the, the community in addition to that and, uh, and just your entrepreneurial spirit and growing your business and and really being a great business person in the area. If people wanted to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Yeah. So the best way to get a hold of me is, uh, so the phone number, obviously, 618-259-1357. Uh, call us in the office. You can also visit, visit us online. It's uh, uh, chrisirwin44.com. Uh, so you can get to us online that way. You can call us in the office. We're there. We typically work weekends or somebody's working weekends. We're there early. I'm usually, usually you. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the office at 545 generally every morning right, yeah. uh, getting things accomplished, started, ready to roll for the day. So there's always somebody for the most part. There's always somebody there in our office. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks for the visit. Thank you very much for, for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.